So, Paul, alcoholic. I'm very happy to be here. And um, today I want to talk about, I actually don't know, we'll see what happens, but I wanted to look at uh, the people, people's mental frames. You know what I mean? Like a frame around a picture, a frame. So right now I'm visiting Sweden, and in a general way, there's a Swedish frame, you know, how they think, culturally and whatever. In America, there's a, there's a different frame. And there was a man at, one of, at the meeting that I go to regularly on Sunday morning at the Alano Club. <laughs> and uh, he was a very successful, I would imagine, businessman. He's very good with money and stuff like that. But he has a very difficult time, that frame of mind, to, uh, to understand a spiritual idea. Yeah? It's, it gets in there, it enters the frame, but his mental hand can't grasp it. Yet, yeah? But he's very, very good at, at, that, uh, at the, uh, all the other stuff. So here we come into AA, or recovery, with a frame. We have our self-centered frame, and then we have the alcoholic frame. Yeah? And then we have whatever we do or don't do, what happened to us when we are young. And these frames sort of is like the mail slot, so what can enter or not can enter, what you can understand or not understand. And remember, whatever, anytime anything comes in, it's interpreted by the frames. So in AA, we come in here saddled with the pair of glasses called self-centeredness, and then the second pair of glasses called alcoholism, yep, right there. And that's framing our life. And for me, the steps are how to change that frame so that you can entertain other ideas. Yeah? Instead of entertaining the ideas based on self-centeredness and alcoholism, you can actually receive a new idea. Yes, That's the whole point of AA when it says you'll have a new attitude and a new outlook upon life. That's just the framing of it. So let's say we talk about doing uh, the experience of gratitude in AA. So what happens? For me, I talked about it on Friday night. One of the uh, patterns of life was I was making decisions based on fear, and they set off trains of circumstances that brought me misfortune. I feel I don't deserve. And when I had misfortune I felt I don't deserve, I get resentful. I get pissed off. I blame someone else for it. Yeah? And this cycle was actually the skeletal diagram of a bottom. I was just making decisions based on self, setting off all these trains of circumstances, bringing me fortune I feel I didn't deserve, getting more resentful and angry, making another decision based on self, and it was like this incredible loop of spiraling down. And the only thing I needed, all I wanted from that loop was I wanted relief from the loop, but I had no idea the true relief from the loop, so I got loaded, yeah? When I drank, I forgot I owed people money. Unfortunately, they didn't forget I owed them money, yeah? When I drank, I forgot I had a court date, but the court didn't forget I had a court date. <laughs> Yeah, so I would get a temporary relief, but the same system was framing my life. All the decisions I was making was coming out of what we call self or fear, and they were setting off these trains of circumstances that were bringing me misfortune. And even if life brought me fortune, I would see the misfortune in it. There would be some reason that it wasn't enough, you know, I didn't, so something really nice would happen to me, but it wasn't enough, I wanted more. Yeah? So 
I come into AA, and AA, through the 12 steps, changed my frame of living. So this message that I may be offering to you today, I could not have received when I was out there using. There was no way in hell I could have entertained that I'm not this. There was no way. But after years of being in AA and having my interest and attention retrieved or, or uh, saved from the past and the future by doing the inventories and by doing the amends, the past and the future with the principle of relying on something greater than self. So I could, instead of it being my life, it was that power's life. And I did a lot better when it was that power's life than it was my life. Because one of the major uh, movements of a fear-based view is control, yes? You're in control. You're trying to control, and that's really what's causing your life to be unmanageable, is this desire to control your life is actually the root cause of the unmanageability. So the way AA alleviates that for, for a space in time is you surrender it to an idea called a higher power. Yeah. And basically the idea for a higher power won't, hopefully won't have qualities that you have. Yeah? It'll make it seem like it's benevolent and nice and all-powerful and it actually likes you. Yeah? And it wants to promote your well-being. Yeah? Which you may think your intention in life is, but it isn't that. It's, it's uh, to be right and vindictive and get even and stuff like that. So we have this idea called a concept of a higher power. Which, builds a bridge so that our attention and interest can leave the state of managing our life and be surrendered over to something else with the, with the, in the beginning with the hope, but you come to believe because it delivers the goods, and then a faith will set in where your faith in that power will allow you to entertain your interest and attention now. It won't be so busy trying to think of how I can make things happen and get what I want and not lose what I've got and all like that. So all your interest and attention that's busy, busy, busy working to promote you, which is actually defeating you, is now released and it can entertain other things like you may grow interested in helping others instead of constantly thinking about you. And all these things start occurring as effects of doing the steps of AA. And what occurs is your attitude starts getting infused with some of these things. So for a long period of time, I had to do gratitude lists to sort of evoke gratitude because my attitude was, it was never enough, yeah? Like, I did a prayer for many years, the first few years of sobriety. Every time anything happened that was nice, I said, thank you, God, that was more than enough because it was never more than enough before. So I, I started saying and, you know, a prayer like, thank you, God, that was more than enough. I'm really happy for this little piece, this very little piece, no, <laughs> this piece of what's going on. And after a while, that, 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 uh, that view of sense, you know, a sense of entitlement and all of this negativity started to be molded in a new way, Yes. And then I started doing gratitude lists, which are incredible if you ever, if you have that sort of view of you're not getting what you deserve, which if you got what you deserved, you'd probably be dead, but <laughs> you're not getting what you deserve, a gratitude list can, can, uh, is like an antidote to that poison. If I start doing a gratitude list, it changes what? My attitude, yeah? I start looking at what I can be thankful for instead of thinking about what I should be pissed off at. And then we have things like service, which 
also produces that sense of gratitude. I did a, we have a thing in America called Hospital and Institutions, where you visit like a detox or a prison or a hospital where they can't come out to a meeting and you bring a meeting in. And I did one at a, for 11 years, once a month, at this place called Azanam in San Francisco, which was like the lowest rung detox. On the first floor, you had to be drunk to get in, first of all. On the first floor, all they had was mattresses, and you could sleep it off, yeah? And if you showed any interest in maybe getting sober, they had a, a, a floor upstairs that you could stay for three days, get a shower, get some food, and they direct you to a program, yeah, trying to get to help you. So I would go there every, the last Wednesday of every month, and it didn't matter what attitude my head was in when I walked in, after at least 10 minutes of the meeting, I start, basically started wanting to cry, to be so happy that I wasn't in that position, because I had been in that position before, yeah? So this program, if practiced, can change that attitude of sense of entitlement and not having enough into an attitude of gratitude. But what occurs with me is, Instead of having experiences of gratitude, it infuses your attitude with gratitude. Yeah? It's a different state. See, I don't feel like it's clear enough in AA that there are different states. Gratitude is, on one level, is an experience, but there's another state to gratitude where it's infused in the way you look at life now. Yeah? The transformation has happened. That vindictive sense of entitlement, I'm never getting enough, view has shifted into you're pretty happy <laughs> things are going fine yeah and you're not having an experience of it but it's 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 flavoring every experience you have during the day yeah in other words instead of having one experience at night at a meeting of gratitude which is a big rush you have a sense of gratitude every day now that's they're both gratitude but they're a different feel to them yeah and mostly when we come into AA, we've had experiences of what they talk about. Gratitude, the sense of the presence of a higher power, uh, love, surrender. But we st they're still mostly in the level of experiences. I, Paul, just had an experience of gratitude. And sometimes people think that's all there is. It's Paul's going to be this way, like a vindictive, you know, resentful character, and every once in a while he's going to have experiences of not being that. But there's another level that you can go to where it becomes infused in the way you look at life. Yeah? It's called having that new attitude and new outlook. The old attitude and old outlook, it's sort of like uh, if water runs over a rock, it smooths the rock down. These principles if entertained, and especially over time, are going to rub over a lot of the things, what you call character defects or whatever. They're going to smooth out what it wasn't smooth before. Yeah? And so the, the water of your interest and attention in life, instead of getting caught and hitting these rocks all the time, will move slowly over your days, and then you'll feel a lighter. Yeah? You'll feel lighter as you're traveling. It may go unnoticed. Usually other people will notice before you do. Because you're so intent on looking at everything from self, you don't see the effects of the program. It says it in the spiritual experience in the back. It says, you probably won't know that things are changing, but other people will see it in you before you see it in you. Yeah? Because this program will smooth you out, and as in time, it changes the frame. So maybe 
everything that you received was defined by self-centeredness. Now you can receive messages that aren't defined by self-centeredness pertaining to, let's say, the spiritual or the fourth dimension. You ever heard of the fourth dimension in the book? The third dimension is this world and this view of I'm a body and this is the way things are. And then the fourth dimension, which Bill W. said he was rocketed into, yeah? The fourth dimension has totally different rules. It's totally different than the third dimension. Part of the, th in the book, in a uh, part on page 84 in the American version, he insinuates the fourth dimension with something's going to happen to you with no thought or effort on your part. Yeah? You're going to be placed in a position of neutrality. You're not going to do and have yourself into that position. You're going to be placed into that position. So in the beginning of the program, there seems to be a lot of doing and having, but then you reach a certain stage where it's time, in a way, to put the ball down, and yet something carries the ball the rest of the way. Yeah? It's like the transfer from self-centeredness to other-centeredness, let's say, relying on that higher power, more and more, as the transfer is going on, more and more different uh, expressions occur. You start seeing things differently. Do, 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 do. Yeah? And then there's that resting and trusting something infinite produces the ability to enjoy peace of mind. Yeah? Because now you're not beholden to the past because you've done the ninth step, you've cleared all that up, you've freed from all of your having to have your mind and attention occupied in keeping that at bay, all your lies and secrets, and then the future, which is like a treasure trove for anxiety for the mind, yeah, it just could worry about thousands of things, has now been surrendered to the care of something greater than you. So it's none of your business, in a sense, what happens to you in the future, and all the business that you think you had involved with in the past is cleaned up. So you're now here, and here is where the presence is. Yes? You now have the ability, because we were saying yesterday and night before, you are already that, but as this, you may not have the ability to entertain it, because your attention and interest isn't here for you to ex feel it. It's based on all the lies and all the fears about the future, because the self is still running the show. It's still the manager. Yeah? So you're busy with what's not happening quite a lot when you're here. What's not happening is all the things you did that you don't want to, you know, make an amends to, all the secrets, and what's not happening is the future that, with all the mental possibilities of what could happen to you in the future, yeah? That sucks up a lot of your attention and interest, and you need attention and interest to feel the presence. The presence is available, the spiritual contact is already available at all times, but your attention and interest may not be available because it's beholden to all of these aspects, and most of them are stretched in time because you feel it's you running the show. So I found AA is the greatest primer to receive a message like we're entertaining the last two nights because it allows your attention and interest, which is totally auctioned off to so many things to be set free and actually locate here. And here is where the message is. A higher power, there is no higher power in the future. And there's no higher power in the past. Anytime you travel into the future and the past, you travel by yourself. That's why it's so much anxiety when you think about the future, because there's no higher power there. The higher power is here. 
this is where you sense the presence. That's why the word is presence. It's not wasn'ts and willy, you know, it's presence. That's why they, they, they attempt to sort of conceptually define this as a now compared to a there and a then, yeah? Because in here, there, this isn't even a now, this is just what's happening, but in the mind, there's what's not happening, bookending each moment. There's a big thing called the past and the future that have huge, you're entertaining the past and the future as we do, has a huge influence on this now. Yeah? To you. In a sense, it's like that chair we talked about the other night. All this seems as real as real could to be in this, yes? But let's say all of your life and all the important situations and all your worries and concerns, how much valid or not they are, are like that chair. And that chair seems real, yes? But if you move this chair, if you took this chair away, or just moved it here, can you see its effects here? All you can see its effects is on the floor and on something else that's appealing. It has no effect on the space. So if you are a spiritual nature, which I believe AA is implying, then you're, you, are, you are not a physical nature. Like supposedly Jesus Christ said, you're in this world, but you're not of this world. So what does it mean to be in this world? It means to be in a body, yeah? What does it mean to be in this world? It means to be in a sense of separation. What does it mean to be in this world? It means to be in time, doesn't it? And if he's saying, you're, you're, you're in this world, but you're not of it, then you must be timeless, you must be bodiless, yes? And if you're bodiless, that's a very good definition of spirit. So spirit to me is like space, it doesn't have any form, and we're amidst in it right now. We are an appearance in that space, but we're not entertaining the space, we're entertaining us as this. Yeah? And by being obsessed with this, we forget that. And you know what this needs the most? Is a remembrance of that. <laughs> it would allow this to travel a lot lighter as this if it had a sense of that. But because it's so obsessed with this, it denies that and that's the suffering. Obviously. This is not gonna get what it wants all the time. This is, may get ill and it's gonna die. It's gonna pass away because it arose, yeah? That fear of death, and let's say, when I was a kid, uh, when I was six years old, my father got really ill. And so he stopped playing with me, stopped taking me out and play baseball. We do a lot of baseball in America, <laughs> a sport. And so my family had talked to me probably many times and said, listen, Paul, your father's ill, that's why he's not playing with you. And they may have even brought a doctor in to talk to me. Hey, Paul, your father's ill. And that's why he's not playing with you. It didn't matter how many people told me my father was ill and he was not, that's why he's not playing with me. I thought it was because of me he wasn't playing with me. No matter how much they told me, my self-centeredness soared in only one way. I must have done something to cause my, mother, my father not to want to play with me. <laughs> I didn't care. They could bring me, oh, your father has a heart condition. It would be, but in me, in the conditioning, I had to have something to do with it. This is the root of self-centeredness, yes? So if you feel, let's just say there's a view in, a, in a one spiritual methodology or modality called the Course in Miracles. He talks about 
let's say if that self-centeredness is in place, and then you hear all these beautiful things about God and love and the eternal bliss and this and that, but your experience is that this place sucks, let's say, you know? This is a fucking drag. I'm tired as hell. What about where's this love and bliss and everyone is one? What's the mind going to do in self-centeredness? It's going to think it must have done something to separate from that love and bliss and, you know, all that joy. It's going to have guilt, a guilt that's not even close to what you call guilt, a guilt of you're the source of this separation. You actually caused this to be the way it is. That guilt, every guilt you have is a way of trying to dump that guilt out of you. Every time you blame someone else or you feel really bad about you is a way of trying to make amends to that huge guilt you have and there was nothing that ever happened. It's only in the identification as being a self. You have this drip, I'm telling you, in some groups they call it, a, there's like an iron ball in your gut, there's something in there, it's like a contraction as being a body, don't you feel a fear and anxiety with nothing to scare you? It's like the body contracted based on this guilt. Oh no, look what I did. And now you're doing this all freaking day. And it's unbearable, so you're trying to dump it out wherever you can and get relief and do this, but it doesn't seem to get to that iron ball, yeah? Because the iron ball is the identification as self. That's what it is for me. And AA has an incredible method to bring you to that point where you have enough attention and interest to entertain it. Yeah? Because the 12 principles we practice are sound. For me, they are deep anchors. I've lived 22 years in this place, stumbling and bumbling, not knowing what the hell I'm doing most of the time, and yet things have worked out. And the principles outshine circumstances and situations. They outside, outshine opinions and feelings and thoughts. They're sound principles to base a life on. And then when the life is based on it, that life is going to go through changes. And maybe that light going through changes can open up to something it couldn't open up to before, which is a possible idea that I can be inherently free, but not as this mental idea, but as what I really am. Yeah. Maybe it's a possibility. Maybe I can just let that come in and, and entertain it a while and see what happens. Yeah. And you may be surprised that peace is not a circumstance or a situation you're going to do and have yourself into, but it's actually an aspect of your natural state. Yeah? Your natural state is of peace. That's why in the book it says, oh, after we produce and get peace of mind, we can enjoy it. No, it says after you go through this transformation, you will be able to enjoy peace of mind because peace of mind is, is, is available. Mind, detached from selfing, is peaceful. Mind, identified as self, is agitated because it's seeking constantly. It's seeking a solution to the, the, the problem of being identified as self. That's all it's doing. Yet it can never get to the point of entertaining, I'm not that, so it's out there seeking for relief all day, isn't it? Ever since you left the tit of your mother, you've been seeking. That's what this mind is, and seeking is agitation. There's no rest in seeking. I find people, they're seeking so much when they find what they thought they want, were seeking for, they're seeking the next day. They just forget that, and they're on to another workshop. They're on to another fucking teacher. They just can't stop seeking. Yeah? They have no desire to find. Their whole identity is in seeking. 
Seeking, 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 seeking. How can that be, how can a peace of mind be enjoyed that way? How can any peace of mind be enjoyed if you believe in time? If you believe that you're gonna be the one you have to manage later? You can have a huge gift of peace of, of mind right now, you wouldn't be able to enjoy it because you'll be worrying about what will happen later. Won't you? That's what the mind does, check it out. I've watched it, I've had a lot of time, 22 years. <laughs> I mean, we're all conscious, you can see it. Yeah? And all of the activities that are going on, in my experience, was that it was identified as a self. A feeling of being a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. The mental counterpart would be called maybe an ego, but the sense of self is not a mental contraption, it's a feeling. It's a mental idea wrapped with a feeling. Don't you feel like you're you? While you're walking around, when you walk by someone else, don't you feel like you are the one who walked by them? It's like a sense, yeah? It's not, you're not thinking of it anymore, it's in place. You have a sense, I'm me, yeah? But it's a huge leap. It's a huge leap to be aware of consciousness and then say, I'm the one that's aware of the consciousness. I mean, really. When you were conscious when you were a baby and you, there wasn't a you yet. It's incredible that you come later in two years and then claim, I'm the one who's doing and having and seeing and feeling and tasting and touching. When <laughs> Have you ever had a blackout? Do you have blackouts in Sweden? Yeah. You know blackouts? Yeah. You ever have one? Well, I have, a little story. I have a little theory about blackouts. It may be totally crazy, but I'll put it out there because I'm running out of stuff to say. To me, this is a very quick invitation. You, know? you don't need a huge retreat to go over it. It's a very simple invitation. Your mind knows it already. That's why if you came here on Friday and you felt something, that was the mind's recognition of the message. Now when you think about it, that's the deadening of the message. <laughs> but the recognition of it is, hey, I really like what this guy's saying. I don't know what's going on. That's that. That's it. <laughs> the mind has recognized a quality of itself. Then you go home and think about it, and there goes the message. I hate that fucking guy. Who, who got him over here from San Francisco? I never want to see him again. That's why I usually leave after a couple of days, quick. Because everyone loves me the first day, but then after they think about it, they hate me. <laughs> That's not AA or something. You're crazy, you know. It's freaking unbelievable. The mind doesn't like to be threatened. Yeah, it just does not. Not selfing. No way. It'll put up with a lot of shit, but not that. It gets very uncomfortable when it's, the light of its attention is turned on it. It likes to turn it on you and you and you and the future and the past. It doesn't like the attention turned on itself because there's no one there. If you ask a question, who am I, it will say, me. And you ask it again, you'll see no one shows up. If you ever hear of Buddhism, that's what happened with Lord Buddha. He, at the time he was a, a living, Everyone believed in this transmigrating soul, yeah? That was this eternal soul that was coming here to work things out. And after it worked things out enough, it would, wouldn't be born in this cycle of birth and death. And then he just investigated that and he found out, hey, I found there's no self. There's nobody home. <laughs> I, I sat there under a tree for 40 days and I looked, and I mean really looked for 40 freaking days and no one showed up. <laughs> so he said, I don't believe that there's a long-lasting independent separate entity. 
And that was a radical thing at that time in India when he brought it up. So in a sense, he called it anatta from their old language, meant non-self. Yeah? So where was I? I was just, oh, I was going to go into a blackout. Yeah. The blackout, well, I had many blackouts. And so, but the thing is, actually, I did better when I was in a blackout than when I was conscious. Yeah? I never got arrested in a blackout. I never got run over by cars. I never got shot at. It doesn't seem to be. So actually, whatever was representing me in a blackout did a better job than what was rep representing me here. But if you ever notice when you call people up after a blackout, like you can have the closest girlfriend, and they, didn't, they still think it was you. So I mean, you didn't just go and then stop for 14 hours and then, you know. No, you were talking and everything like that. What I feel is the mind making up the self, right? got so much intoxication, it, it blew it up. So what happened, it produced another self very quickly. Yeah, right in mid-sentence to the person who loves you. And they didn't even see the little, like the replacement. And then it, it talked as if it was you and bought tickets and plane rides and everything for the next 14 hours. And then suddenly, the, the other thing reconfigured, and then you showed up. <laughs> and for you to still feel like it was only you, it has to deny the presence of the other you. Because if there's two yous, there ain't any you. If there can be two yous, there can't be any you. If there can be two yous, there cannot be any you. So, of course, being like the Old Testament God, very jealous, and don't put any God in front of me or I'll smote you, it has, it's called a blackout. It tells you a story. Oh, I forgot anything that happened. It didn't forget anything that happened. It just doesn't want to remember that someone took its place. Another mental process, a mental product called another self. Yeah? Because you were, you were probably making it with babes and, you know, talking the talk, buying drugs, something was representing you. You didn't just stop and someone put you in a closet for 14 hours and then you came too. No, you were living and yapping and, and I'm sure you, the mental process called you for those 14 hours felt like you. I mean, if someone asked you to question you at the time that other you was running the show, you would have said, what, are you crazy? There wasn't, it didn't miss, it didn't miss a beat. There was still a sense of being you. It was doing its thing, da-da-da-da-dee. And then someone took its, another self took its place, and so to cover its tracks of being irrelevant, it said, I don't remember a thing. What happened to me? <laughs> It's a whole story, the idea of being a self. It is. It's a mental process. It produces it. And if it gets whacked hard enough, it may have to produce another one to cover its absence. Yeah? But God forbid you can live free of being a self. Yet you do quite well, in a sense. I did much better with the second self. I wish I could have hired it to be the primary self. Yeah, the one that ran my life in, when I was in blackouts, because I seemed to do really well. Wake up with beautiful women and go, hey, I want to sign up for that self. The other self's running over by cars and shot at and everything like that. So, 
But the thing is, if you can get a sense, just a sense, that you're not that, it opens that closed door of the system of self-centeredness. And some light will come out and in, yes? And you may start seeing things you haven't been seeing. You may see the manufacturing of self. You may see the habits of selfing. You may see what reinforces the selfing. And maybe in seeing that, there'll become a, a sense will come over you, I'm not that. And if you're not that, you will travel lighter. Because when you put that rock down, you'll see that's the rock that heavied you out. This total compulsion obsession with being what you're not is causing you not to be able to be conscious of what you are, which is spirit, yeah. At least for me, you know, that's what happened. I was so busy being me, I couldn't be busy being that, or at least entertaining that. Because it's like oil and water, they don't mix. The self will only see that as an experience it can have. It will never see that as its own nature. Because that would mean the self isn't your nature. And it doesn't want to have that event occur. It doesn't want to be fired. Yeah? It has a, an instinct to survive. And it'll basically, and its way of surviving is keeping any information contrary to its view in the dark, yeah? Like in AA it says that statement, contempt prior to investigation. It uses contempt quite a lot, so it won't investigate its own absence, yeah? So for me, AA has been an incredible platform. It allowed my life to get to a certain level of peace and calm that I had time and attention to entertain new ideas. Yeah? To look at that fundamental question of why is there an irritability and restlessness and discontentment in my life even when I'm not drinking and using? What's that iron little thing? And I had the ability to sit in the presence because I didn't have so much interest in the past or the future anymore and they had been cleaned up by the principles of AA. So all my, all my interest attention came back here and then here could spend it. I could entertain here now instead of entertaining here as there and then all day, yes? How can you entertain here if your mind's constantly bringing the there and then into it? It just, it blocks out the entertaining of here because you're entertaining here with the influence of the past and the future constantly jamming into this moment. So then the higher power can only be seen as something that helps you or gets you a parking space next week or maybe gets you a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a new job, which is fine. You know. But then there's a state, an intimate relationship with that state as occurring at the same time you are. Always available at all times with no requirement necessary. It's all it takes is a mind willing to entertain it. And I find when the mind is dismissed from entertaining selfing so much, it has the ability to entertain its own nature, which is spacious. Yeah. I feel that is freedom, freedom from the bondage to self. I can't see anything else. Anything you do as a self is not going to create a, bond, a freedom from that bondage. You'll just change iron chains to gold chains. They'll still be bondage to self, yes? People who have super rich money, I mean rich and everything like that, they're suffering rich people's suffering. 
poor people seemingly are suffering, poor people suffering. Part of the poor people suffering is they, wouldn't, they think they wouldn't suffer if they were rich. But rich people suffer just as much as poor people, but differently. Yeah? And this and that. Mind identified as self suffers. That's what it does. Yes? Because it gets concerned so much about this, is, this future, it forgets the present. Yeah? Didn't your life look better when you realized it wasn't yours? When I truly did the third step, it was such a great relief. It's not my business. My business is to suit up and show up and let go of the results, yeah? My business is to maybe tend to live by the ideal of to be of maximum service to others. So when it said, you know, God, the third step, whatever prayer, you know, relieve me of the bondage to self, so that it doesn't say so that I can have that beach house in Malibu, though that may happen. It says so that I can be of service to other people. <laughs> yeah? It's not a real self-centered drive. It's about, okay, I'm willing to give this up. I'm willing to give up all the my in my life. My this, my that, my that, my that. I'm willing to surrender that. And then let's see how that is experienced now that it's been surrendered. The same relationship when surrendered looks totally different the next day. Have you seen it when you, let's say you have a girlfriend, it's everything's going well, but then one point the mind thinks, this is my girlfriend, yeah? Now you're expecting to know what she's doing. <laughs> now you're calling up, where were you last night? Why are you asking? Well, you're my girlfriend. Then you're up on stalking charges, you're driving around following, and the person doesn't even know they're your girlfriend. But the mind just says, I claim it, and then Whoa, tons of meaning gets injected into it. And that, that thing that was beautiful turns sour, doesn't it? As soon as there's an ownership or a, a privatization or a claiming, it changes your relationship, whatever has been claimed. That's what's happened primarily to our lives. We claim them to be ours, and it's changed it dramatically. When it's surrendered, it may look totally different without changing the outside. But the life where it wasn't joyous because you didn't have what you want may be incredibly joyful because you're being available to others. Who knows? Yeah. You want to take a break? Yeah. Great. Right.